This is the Eat Scripture Podcast. This is Eric and Gina Robinson. We are looking at the book of Zechariah. Going to keep walking through this for a ways today. Hope that you guys are ready to get into this because this is really an exciting book. Um, before we go any further, though, I just want to point out we do have a website, eatscripture.com, where you can go and you can read a little bit more about the Eat Scripture ministry. You can see some of the articles, listen to other podcasts, kind of see some things that we have going on, and we would love for you all to visit there also. We are really excited about getting into scripture all the time. That's what we really love is just eating the word, and uh, that is how we kind of organize our lives around digging into the word and consuming it as much as we can. So we're going to keep doing that in this really strange book of Zechariah today. At least a lot of people would feel it was strange. Lots of strange visions, we would say in here, things that are kind of difficult to understand, and yet an incredible amount of blessing that can be gained by this and all of scripture when we really dig into it and let it soak in for a while. I just have to admit that, I mean, I don't think I've ever really studied through Zechariah Mm -hmm. in a very complete way. Yep. And it's one of those books that probably when I would get to about mm, verse eight, (laughs) I probably would be like, I don't know what this is talking about and move on. I would be interested, but I would think oh I don't know and kind of move along so I'm thankful that you aren't going to let me do that no and that we will uh, get in here and try to figure out as much as we can and this book isn't here by accident it's here on purpose it's here for us and Mm -hmm. um, it's important yeah yeah I think we'll be able to make some really good connections to ourselves and these people uh, that Zechariah is writing to some of the things that Zechariah may even be going through, I don't know, but what he has to offer here, yes, is put here by God. And so we know that it's a blessing it's his word, for us. So. And yeah. yes, exactly. Um, blessing for them, blessing for us. It's yes. here for a reason. So as we jump back into this, really into the text for the first time, since last time we, we did a lot of setup, talked about history, talked about the time then that this is happening. And just as a reminder, Zechariah and Haggai are prophets who are called to help the people as they're in the process of rebuilding and reestablishing after the Babylonian captivity. So they came out of captivity in 539 is when they were released uh, because the Medo-Persian Empire took over Babylon, told the Jews they were allowed to go home and begin reestablishing themselves, which they have now done. But now it's almost 20 years. It's been about 19 years since that, which is what we find out in verse 1. This would be the second year of King Darius. So we're in the year 520 B.C., and things have not progressed like they should have. So that's how we start the book. That's the point in history where we're starting the book. So I'm going to let you read, if you will, Gina, from 1-1 through 1-6, and then we will discuss that a little bit. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Iddo, saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore, say to them, 
Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they repented and said, as the Lord of hosts proposed or purposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so has he dealt with us. Yes. Okay. So what we're getting into here, right as we're starting out, is this admonition to return to me and I'll return to you. So if we don't understand a little bit of the history, we're already a little lost. Well, wait a second. What exactly is happening? Why is there a problem? And of course, like we've already said, now Zechariah and Haggai, their names have already come up in the Ezra and Nehemiah in that what used to be one book, Ezra and Nehemiah. A lot of people don't know that. But in the Old Testament, the way the Jews looked at the Old Testament and read their Old Testament, that was just one book of Ezra and Nehemiah. And so in that book, we have Zechariah and Haggai mentioned a couple of times, and they were prophets who were called to, like we said, Israel during that time of rebuilding to really keep the work on track, which is what they did. They very much wind up doing that. And we can see that happening uh, in Ezra and Nehemiah, but we don't get in Ezra and Nehemiah their specific visions and words uh, that they're giving to Israel, and which is what we get in their books. So here we are in the eighth month in the second year of Darius, like we've said, 520 BC. And Zechariah's come, and obviously there's an issue because the people are, for some reason, away from the Lord in some sense. Now, I don't know that they would have actually said that they were really away from the Lord. They may have felt very much like we're here, we love Yahweh, we're back in our land, we're living life. But on some level, things have become slack. I think when I read this, I just kind of picture, and I could be wrong, but I kind of picture that they've come back, they have full great intentions to rebuild the temple and do all of the things that God has uh, asked them to do. Yes. But they're so busy being back and establishing their lives that they've gotten maybe sidetracked Yes. in their own busyness, mm-hmm. which sounds very familiar yeah, to Yeah, which would be the mm-hmm. typical thing to do, right? So they I haven't mean. put what God asked them to do first. Mm-hmm. And now they're just kind of languishing away. They don't realize that it's been years and right. they still haven't done it. They, right. I, so that's kind of what I picture. Probably I came back it. with great motivation mm-hmm. when they first got there. Yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put things back together. We're free now. Let's go and worship Yahweh. This is going to be great. And then you get there and daily life sets in and you're just, just kind of cranking away trying and trying to... to put food on the table survive. and survive yeah. yes it's not like the doors were open and everything was beautiful and lush and right. perfect whenever they got home there was real work to do and they had to really put their effort into trying to make something out of nothing sort of uh right. and and keep things get things reestablished. and because it's been like 
two or three generations, well, probably at least two generations. You know, 70 years. Yeah, 70 years plus this 19. Yeah, plus the 19. Um, a lot of these people that are back don't really remember mm -hmm. going into captivity. Mm -hmm. Yep. They just, um, so I think he's reminding them about this. Of course, they've heard the stories, I'm sure. Right. But they don't remember what was said to their fathers and right. you know how this all came about there. They need a little reminder. Yes, they would very much so. And, um, and we find out in Ezra and Nehemiah, the people don't even speak Hebrew anymore. They've lost their Hebrew wow, that was quick. <laughs> speech. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, it, uh, it is kind of quick. And so it's, it's kind of been modified into what's called Aramaic. And so that's what everybody is going to continue speaking, even through Jesus's day, even when we're reading our New Testament, that's the primary language that Jews are speaking to one another in the, in Jerusalem, in Israel, uh, even though Hebrew is still, you know, what's obviously the law and the books, most of the books of the Old Testament are in Hebrew, but the people speak Aramaic. And so Ezra winds up translating for them when right. we read Ezra and Nehemiah so that they can understand. They read the law, but then Ezra does the translation and they write down what he writes, a translation for the people. But that's what he has to do because the people just don't even understand it anymore. So I think that's just really telling how quickly we can get um, taken over by the world. Yes. By what's around us. Yes. We yeah, forget. For sure who we belong to and what our mission is. Mm -hmm. and so, yes, yeah. that really does speak to us. Um, and so when we're reading here again in these first six verses, we've got Lord of Hosts mentioned several times. Yeah, Yahweh like wants. Yeah, didn't you? Lord right. Uh, just here in these first few verses, for goodness sake, it's mentioned five times in the first six verses. So Lord of Hosts, Lord of Hosts, it, super emphasis. And that's what we talked about a little bit last time. We mentioned that, Jer uh, that Zechariah uses that title for God more than any other writer in the entire in the entire. I didn't remember Old if we Testament. had said that or not. Okay, fifty-one times in yeah. the Old Testament or in this book. Fifty-one times in this book, yeah, and uh, two hundred and forty-three times in the Old Testament. So, wow, that's that's, that's a uh, huge, huge amount. Yeah. yeah. So, so he, what does it, that mean? Well, it, it really <laughs> emphasizes. Yeah, we might say technically Yahweh of the armies if we were going to really define it much more clearly for a modern audience. Hosts, the hosts were your host. Uh, you know, if the host came against you, a great host, that was an army coming against you. That's a great so giant is this military, you know, uh, uh, force that was coming against you. So when I hear about the Lord of hosts, I'm thinking of Yahweh, who has control of all the armies. I mean, this okay, is Okay, so you're talking about physical armies, or are you talking about spiritual armies? Uh, I would say mostly we're looking at spiritual <laughs> armies, I would think. Uh, and so, but his armies are greater, of course, his than anybody armies else's armies. Have control um, of the uh, physical armies. Mm -hmm, sure. So, yeah. Yep. Okay. And, uh, and they're powerful, and he has, so he has all the power. He's the one who's in charge, and that's what Zechariah seems like. That's probably what he wants to keep putting out there, is just how much authority and power Yahweh has. Well, that kind of makes sense to me that he's talking, the Lord of the hosts 
Lord of Hosts um, language because he's talking to them about being taken away into captivity mm-hmm. and how God can do that again. How yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's telling him them, I am over all of this. Yeah, yeah. I'm big. Right. So, and yeah. stay close to me, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole the whole message here in the mm-hmm. first six verses. Hey, stay close to me. I'll stay close to you. Let's yes. let's keep this together, together because <laughs> I talked to your fathers before you, and they didn't want to listen to that admonition. So where are they now? They're right. not even here. So that you know, well, you stay close to me though, and I'll stay close to you. And he certainly has the power to back up exactly what he says, and he's done it in the past. So awesome. this is Yahweh of Hosts talking. So yes, that's the that's how we open our book with this admonition: Hey, stay close to me now. Don't don't start this going down a bad path already. Where we have a chance to really do something great here. And, uh, but you do have to stay close to me because if you do that, I'll always stay close to you. Um, so then we get to verse seven, and now we're uh, we've we've gone a little bit into the future here. We've gone from the eighth month to the eleventh month uh, when we get to verse seven. So it's a couple a few months later, uh, and we're gonna find let out them now think about that a little bit about this vision. Yeah, <laughs> okay. let them think about that. Okay. So. Verse one, uh, let's start in verse 7, and we'll read through verse 17. On the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Iddo, saying, I saw in the night, and behold, a man riding on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in the glen, and behind him were red, sorrel, and white horses. Then I said, What are these, my lord? And the angel who talked with me said to me, I will show you what they are. So the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered, These are they whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. And they answered the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees and said, We have patrolled the earth, and behold, all the earth remains at rest. Then the angel of the Lord said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, against which you have been angry these seventy years? And the Lord answered gracious and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. So the angel who talked with me said to me, Cry out, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion, and I am exceedingly angry with the nations that are at ease. For while I was angry but a little, they furthered the disaster. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts, and the measuring line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Cry out again. Thus says the Lord of hosts, my city shall again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. All right. So, good ending to that vision. This is a good thing. God wants to reestablish his people very much. Um, He's very jealous for them, it says in verse 14. And then follows that up with how angry he is with the nations that are at ease. Mm -hmm. Um, We get this talk here. These guys come up who are riding these different colored horses. 
And of course, uh, even people who've never been to church before and know the least little bit about the Bible, where do you think their minds are going to go? Revelation. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. question. Right. Um, Revelation chapter six has <clears throat> a, a vision that John is getting where he is watching these riders on different colored horses and what's happening when each of them, when, when these first four seals are broken in Revelation chapter six, and these riders go out on these different color horses, there's this great, great devastation taking place that just goes with each of these riders, um, whether it's famine or bloodshed or war. And so as we're watching that, now we, we import that back because usually that's what we very first know mm -hmm. and understand about riders on different horses so we kind of bring that back as soon as we read this and see wait riders on different colored horses that means bad things are happening scary. oh my goodness yes scary and terrifying things well that's not how this particular passage well, is portrayed and this was though. actually written way before right Revelation, this was actually so. the first passage so right. we shouldn't yeah should be careful when we're doing that they are obviously have to do with uh, being assigned to the task of walking throughout the earth. Mm -hmm. That's what it says here to ours. Like you read in the ESV is what we're reading from here in verse 10. It talks about patrolling the earth. Well, that's really just a word for walk or go. So the, these are um, messengers who've been assigned to go throughout the earth on the Lord's behalf, to keep an eye on things, to watch. Which to I guess sure. in a sense, there's some judgment there. You know, they, they can certainly do that. Observing and making some judgments. Uh, oh, yes. In that sense, just being able to evaluate how mm -hmm. things are going, reporting back right. uh, in a way that seems to be their job. Yeah. And uh, and so the Lord is talking to them and they are uh, in a, have a role to go throughout the earth and make sure things are, see what where things are and how things are and then report back. Seems to be what we got here. And so, yes, whenever we see them now and they're first reporting back or talking or however you want to say, um, that whenever Zechariah sees them, there's one and he's standing among myrtle trees. And then there are these others who are also behind him. Which I, I want to stop you right there and mm -hmm. ask you about myrtle trees. Ah. Um, because... Yep. It seems very specific. Yeah, it is. So, isn't it? what would that? Yeah, uh, take our thoughts to. What does that represent? Yeah, of course, I do. I do think that every tree in Scripture has a particular mm -hmm. connection and representation in some way. I think that's just the way God has written Scripture for us. Uh, and so, in this case, we hear about, like you said, very specific. Not just. Trees. He's not just standing among some trees. He's standing among myrtle trees. I mean, right. so so why is he standing among myrtle trees? What it mean to stand among myrtle well, trees? Myrtle trees aren't mentioned that many times in scriptures. So. Right. Very few of overall, and so but but interestingly enough, they are all connected to a time of being reestablished after captivity. They all are. Um, Isaiah forty one nineteen, Isaiah fifty five thirteen. Uh, and then I also find in Nehemiah 8.15, uh, there's another reference to myrtle trees, which would be very close to the time that we're talking about here. And then Hadassah is actually the name of Esther 
that is her Hebrew name. And so we we find that out in Esther chapter 2 verse 7. Now that's a book also that is taking place post-captivity and the Medo-Persian Empire is ruling all things in the known world and Esther is the one who has an opportunity to help save her people from this terrible edict that is going to cost everybody their lives. And so, but her Hebrew name, I find out in Esther 2-7, is Hadassah, and that means myrtle. That's really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. So she is a myrtle tree. She is a myrtle tree. She's a Jew who's got a heart for God and a desire to put God first and to help her people in every possible way. And her name is Myrtle. So here, you can't help but think, oh, he's standing among myrtle trees. He's standing among myrtle trees. And all these myrtle references in the Bible are connected to reestablishment after captivity. Rescue. Restoration. So they have God's messengers among them. Apparently, that's kind of the point I'm getting out of this, is that God's messengers stand among his people uh, who are called to be his representatives in the world and to reestablish themselves and to uh, care about the welfare of each other. I mean, all of these things I think we could say are, are in some sense caught up in this process. So the grove of myrtle trees, yes, I think that represents his people who are in the world. Um, Yeah, I think that's awesome. So we get to this point and we go, uh, the man who's standing among the myrtle trees in verse 10 is saying, these are they whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth and talking about those on the horses to walk through the earth. And then they, he talks to them. They talk to him. We have patrolled, it says, the earth. And behold, all the earth remains at rest. And see, to me, when I read that, I'm like, oh, good. Whew, yeah, that's a good thing. Exactly. But it's not a good thing. It's not. This that's is the, the not way good. Yahweh talks. He is not happy about that. Exactly. <laughs> because that's they're right. at rest um, while Jerusalem still, Israel still isn't reestablished. Yes. Exactly. And so his people aren't at rest. Right. That's exactly right. He wants... So they're almost at at rest at the expense of his people. Mm -hmm. Yes. The Lord, absolutely. They are at rest at the expense of his people. I think that's a good way to say it. Because he wants his people reestablished and his uh, house, if you will, his temple Mm -hmm. reestablished. And that's part of the whole process of getting there and setting up again and so that's what he wants and now there's a laxness uh that has permeated the entire area not just in his people but in the nations around everybody should be moving in the same direction and they're not and we find out that the lord is very upset about this like you're saying when we get to verse 14 so the angel who talked with me said to me and he's saying something good about jerusalem luckily cry out thus says the lord of hosts there we hear that the one with all the power Mm -hmm. again is talking i am exceedingly jealous for jerusalem and for zion that's good okay god loves us and he's jealous for us as his people the jews would say that's a great thing and then he says and i am exceedingly angry with the nations that are at ease or at rest Uh uh-oh for while i was angry but a little 
they furthered the disaster. So they have not stepped up. First of all, they were. Well, he God used those other nations to bring judgment on his people. Yes, there were several nations around. But now that's the smaller over. Nations. Yep. And so he wants to bless his people. Yes. And they need to. They need to be so a part of being on board. Yes. Right. And if we go back to Ezra and Nehemiah again, we're going to find that there are those who are around the Ammonites and so forth who are already upset that Israel has come back and is trying to reestablish themselves. Right. They're upset. They're making uh, threats against Nehemiah and those who are with him. They do not want the temple reestablished. They do not want the wall rebuilt. Um, this That represents, of course, a threat to them in that area, they feel right. like. And they don't want and Jew, they probably, the Jewish nation to get reestablished. I mean, I, I kind of, maybe they feel like God's on their side now. Uh, maybe. Hey, to he's the one who devastated you. Yeah. Yes. So, so how dare you, you try and reestablish? Yeah. And he's like, and he's saying, no, that's not how this works. I right. was angry for a little bit. They needed a little bit of a yes. reminder. But now, now it's time it's for, time for them to flourish. Yeah, that's I'm right. still their God, not yours. That's right. That's right. So very much, I think that's a good way to put it. Absolutely. And so he's acting in that way. So he's coming to them and he's wanting them to be built, be rebuilt. And, and the nations should not be opposing them. And they should actually be coming to their aid, which is what we find them doing by the time Ezra and Nehemiah uh, are, are in full swing. We've got them making petition to the king of all things, uh, the king of the world, as they know him very well. Um, Ezra and Nehemiah seem to have an in with the right people at the right time and get letters from those powers saying, hey, Tobias, Sanballat, you other guys who are down in that area that are stirring up trouble, you better get on board and start giving them what they need to accomplish the task of reestablishing themselves because we'll come down there and take care of business if you don't. So we do find out that God does really stir up, as it were, the nations to start helping and instead of getting uh, upset and trying to hinder. So that's good. Um, so all of this is going to move in the right direction. And that's what we're happy about. So we're happy about that. By the end of this, the Lord wants to prosper his people again, wants to bring them to a really good place uh, and reestablish them. And, them. and yeah. he still chooses them. I like that. Yeah. I, I like the, the language there. It's yeah. really cool. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so yeah, again, choose Jerusalem uh, right there in verse 17. So yes, he is going to continue to build them up. And that's what, you know, this is what we bring with us. God, God may be, um, angry for a short time, but his mercy always returns. His love always returns and his love's never gone. You know, even, even during the angry times or um, things that he doesn't or want us it, doing. What feels like anger. Yeah. What feels like, like anger when we're our, angry with our children and we're disciplining them. Yes. We're not really but we angry never, with them. Yes. We always love them, but we have to get things have for to their own good. In order. We have to help them. Yes remember. <laughs> I think that is such a good thing for us to remember about um, as a reading scripture. I know not everybody can remember that. Not everybody had good parents growing up. Um, but hope, you know, hopefully most, most know what they wish 
they would be themselves or what they wish they had had growing up and um, that nobody nobody is expecting no discipline we know there needs to be discipline we just also ask that uh, and know that there should be everything should be uh, just overwhelmingly done in love uh, whether it's discipline or whether it's just uh, enjoying the times together or whatever it is and so so that's if we can picture God that way I think we're going to be in a much better position to understand why he's doing what he's doing his anger doesn't last forever Definitely, he's promised not. us that so well we're coming to a close here so we'll stop at this point and uh, we were we are going to pick up in 118 next time with a new vision another vision uh, as it starts telling us there so we will keep going through Zechariah with all of its interesting uh, things happening and start putting more and more pieces together but a lot of these are going to kind of seem like they're coming out of left field but that's okay we're going to keep going through it and let God give us the wonder uh, that he wants to give us so I think it's so interesting because you know we don't really think in terms of visions and stuff so Mm. much but um i just think this is very applicable to us Mm. and we can certainly see ourselves in here so yes i think this book is going to be really helpful yes absolutely and that's what we pray for get a lot of help a lot of encouragement from this well thank you all for listening to us uh we'll be back with some more of the end of chapter one next time and then uh, moving on into chapter two so hope y'all have a great evening god bless y'all as we keep moving toward christmas together have a great season thanks